0: Bills versus Cardinals have a great game, game of the year. Hopkins is a monster. The Patriots stay alive on Sunday Night Football, upset the Ravens. The Chargers lose the battle of rookie QBs. Dolphins win five in a row. They're a threat in the AFC. The Seahawks lose their second game in a row. Go from first to third in the NFC East. In the NBA, trades open up today, November 16th. Crazy, crazy off-season for the NBA. My name's Ismael San Juan. This is Hard to Handle Sports Podcast, episode number 16. Let's get started. Week 10 of the NFL is in the books. It just concluded right now. The Dolphins versus, I mean, the Bears versus Vikings game just concluded. Um, here are the scores for week 10 of the NFL. Colts 34, Titans 17. Browns beat the Texans in an ugly game 10 to 7. That game got delayed for a little bit because the conditions were too bad to start the game. Lions beat the Washington football team 30 to 27. Alex Smith has his first back-to-back 300-yard games in his in his career. Good job for him. Shout out to Alex Smith. Comeback comeback player of the year. Buccaneers bounce back after getting destroyed by the Saints. 46-23 to against the Panthers. They look great. They look good. Eagles versus Giants. Eagles lose to the Giants. Giants are one win behind the Eagles in the, in the win column. They might steal the division. That division is still a joke. Another week, another joke. Um, the Jaguars keep it close with the Packers, but they lose. Packers 24, Jaguars 20. Packers are the first seed in the NFC. Cardinals 32, Bills 30. Great game. I'll go I'll deep dive into this game. It was amazing. It was a crazy finish. I hope y'all watched it. It was a great game. Dolphins versus Chargers. Dolphins 29. Chargers 21. Uh Battle of Rookie QBs. I'll I'll dive deep into that one too. Raiders destroy the Broncos 37 to 12. They play the the Raiders play the Chiefs next. They beat them once already. They're on a roll right now. They're fighting for a playoff spot. Good job. Good job, Raiders. Good job to all the Raider fans. Looks like you guys have a good team now. I like I like Chucky. I like uh I like your coach. So good job, Raiders. Seahawks lose to the Rams 23 16. I'll also talk about that game in a little bit. The Steelers take care of the Bengals, 36 10. Big Ben looked good. A lot of receivers got into it. Claypool had two touchdowns. It was it was an all around good performance for the Steelers. After Big Ben didn't practice the whole week because of COVID or the COVID regulations. He didn't have COVID, but uh, someone that he was close to had COVID, so he had to miss the whole week of practice. Saints 27, 49ers 13. The storyline of this was Drew Brees got hurt. He's expected to miss around three three to four weeks with, like, broken ribs and, like, a punctured lung or something. He should be fine moving forward, but he's going to miss some weeks. So it's Jameis Winston's team for now. Patriots upset the Ravens, twenty three to seventeen. Ugly weather in that game. I'll, I'll go into more detail about that game in a little bit. And right now, the Monday Night Football game just ended. Bears thirteen, Vikings nineteen. Vikings are trying to make a late push for a playoff spot. They're four and five now. The Bears started five and one. They lose five straight. They're five and five. That offense is the most despicable offense in the whole NFL. It's so hard to watch. Foles got hurt at the end of the game because. Their line can't protect them. I feel sorry for Foles. Uh, that Bears team is going south real fast. Um, I don't think Nagby is the coach for uh, that team. But, yeah, those are the scores for week 10 of the NFL season. Also today, today is I'm recording it at, uh, November 16th, the night of November 16th. Today at noon Eastern time, uh, NBA teams are able to do trades for the NBA offseason. We have a lot of rumors. I'm going to touch on that at the end of the podcast. So stick around for uh, these trade rumors, some trades that already got accepted. shooter to the Lakers, Chris Paul to the Suns. And there's rumors of Harden going to the Nets. Uh, It just came out not too long ago. I saw it on Twitter. He, He doesn't want to go anywhere else. He wants to go to the Nets. Crazy, crazy stuff that's unfolding right now. But... Let me just get get into the NFL games. The first game that I wanted to touch on this week, Bills versus Cardinals, 30-32. It was a great game. Hail Murray. Hail Murray. Uh, Murray threw a Hail Mary to Hopkins at the end of the game. And Hopkins, in between three defenders from the Bills, uh, caught it, went up. Micah Hyde, uh, they had uh, Tredavious White and the other safety. Both safeties and Tredavious White were there and hopkins was the one that came down crazy finish to that game it was spectacular spectacular finish um with 335 left josh allen had the ball back they were down i believe four points they were down let me see uh 23 to 23 to 26 they were down 23 to 26 they were down three and they scored a touchdown to make it 30 26 and then uh he just drove him down the field, seventy-eight yards. Stephon Diggs touchdown from with thirty-four seconds left. Stephon Diggs was celebrating like he had won the game. A lot, I, honestly. I, I mean, I didn't think the game was over, but it was like pretty, pretty hard for the Cardinals to come back. Stephon Diggs got up. He started like talking to the cameras. He's like, "That's why you pay me. That's why you pay me." He, uh, Stephon Diggs got really hyped. It was just a great. It was a great ending to the game because. The drive before, Josh Allen had thrown an interception, but the defense held on and got them the ball back. And then he was able to drive down the field. Uh, He was completing to Diggs. He was completing to Cole Beasley. And then uh, a beautiful touchdown pass to Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs beat Patrick Peterson to the corner. It it was a beautiful, beautiful pass and beautiful drive it was just a great drive honestly i was giving josh allen a lot of props during that time because he had thrown two interceptions in the game but he drove them down the field he looked like he was in command it it just felt like it was like a like a defining moment in josh Allen's career like just driving them down the field against a really good team against another mvp candidate and kyle murray and then uh well murray just brought them back back down the field with 34 seconds took him to the 43 yard line and then he's just so quick like he's exceptionally quick and fast but like just his his he his acceleration is just ridiculous cuz on that Hail Mary pass he had a he had a rusher that was about to get to him and he kind of just goes one way goes the other eludes him and then he's able to throw a prayer to DeAndre Hopkins and he he comes down with it and is just Amazing, amazing game, back and forth game, one of the, probably the game of the year so far. It, it seems like every week there's a game of the year, but this one was just just top top entertainment. Um, Arizona seems like they're always they always have great, great games. I feel like I'm always covering Arizona, and it's not cause I'm an Arizona Cardinal fan or anything like that. It's just that their games at weekend and week out, their games are just super fun. Uh, you, you got to watch Murray. He's like, watch must watch TV the way he. He, he the way he runs the ball the way he throws the ball the way he eludes pass rushers it's just a fun fun team to watch so i'm always i always find myself catching the arizona games and uh kyle murray just makes him so much so so fun to watch he's he was in his second year and he, he looks like he's gonna have a bright bright future uh he, he i think he scored a touchdown a rushing touchdown for the fifth fifth or sixth straight game and he's like he he ties a record and he's, he just looks like he's on his way for 1,000 yards rushing, 4,000 yards passing, MVP candidate for sure. If he wasn't before, now he is. The Arizona Cardinals went from third place in their division to first place. If they would have lost that game, they would have been third place, and they won. So now their first place in the division is a three-way tie on top of the NFC West, and they play Seattle on Thursday Night Football. It's going to be—oh, my God. That's going to be probably the best—that's probably going to be the best Thursday Night Football game of the year. Arizona Cardinals versus Seattle Seahawks. Thursday night football. Put it on your schedule. It's going to be a great game. I'm super excited to see how that plays out. Whew. I'm, I'm probably going to make a predictions video because uh, I'm super, like, I'm super. I just can't wait for that game. Um, but, yeah, the Bills The Bills blew their chance. They could have gone to 8-2, and two, but now they're 7-3. and three. They're half a game up from the Dolphins. They have their bye week coming up, and the Dolphins, uh, they play this week. So, if the Dolphins win... Then they catch up to them in the standings which is uh rather unfortunate for them because they did have a nice little cushion but then uh they lost a couple games and the bills i mean the dolphins have won five straight games now so they're right there behind them but now they get a bye week they get to you know work on their defense i think they need to work on their defense and they need to work on their rush the rush attack um uh, Josh Allen was their leading rusher. Obviously he's their quarterback and he caught a pass for a touchdown. I just feel like they may be over relying too much on Josh, Josh Allen right now. They need to find a run game with whether it's Singletary or Moss. They need to find a run game to take some pressure off of Josh Allen and then they need a they need to shore up their defense cuz they gave up 30, I believe 35 to the to Seattle Seahawks last week and they gave up 32 to Arizona this week. And if you're asking your offense to just keep scoring 30 plus points every week because your defense can't stop the other the other team, then it's going to be a tough ask. And they might they might slip, and the Dolphins might steal the division from them. But both teams are great. Both teams are fun to watch. Both teams have elite wide receivers. These these teams share some similarities because they both traded for uh, for a wide receiver in the offseason. Uh The same day, actually, uh, the Bills traded with the Vikings to get Stephon Diggs. And the Arizona Cardinals traded with the Texans to get uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and they're both they're num- both wide receivers are leading the league in receptions and and yards. Stephon Diggs leads in receptions and yards, and then right behind him is DeAndre Hopkins, number two in catches, number two in yards. It's just this is what teams are supposed to do when you have a young quarterback. You're supposed to give him weapons. You're supposed to give him a chance to mature, to develop into a great uh, quarterback, and you just gotta give them weapons. You gotta give them a chance, and I'm um, I'm pretty proud of those organizations for giving them, giving their quarterbacks a chance to succeed. It just it's if you have a good tight end or if you have a number one wide receiver, it just takes off so much load off of your quarterback because you know there's a safety blanket, there's someone that you could trust. Uh, but the the only thing, the other thing that I was thinking when this game was going on is how inept Bill O'Brien is. Uh, the trade that he made. To get Hopkins out of the, out of Tex out of the Texans out of the Houston Texans is just ridiculous. It was uh, Johnson, the running back from Arizona, who had a horrible contract, and then he got a second round pick out of it. And the Texans drafted like some defensive player that hasn't done anything. And David Johnson is on IR. He's hurt, or I don't know if he's on IR, but he, he missed the game with a concussion. And even if he didn't miss the game, he has not been effective this season. He had a really good week one, and then after that, he just burned out. David Johnson's not the David Johnson of, like, 2016 anymore. Everyone knows that he's he's had a lot of injuries, and his value was diminishing, and he had an ugly contract, and still Bill O'Brien traded for him. I have no idea what he was thinking, but I'm glad. I'm sure that Texans fans are glad that he's fired now, but I still could not just get it in my head like what was he thinking when he traded hopkins but anyways it was a great game i hope you guys watched the game if you guys didn't you guys should go watch the highlights amazing amazing game bills versus cardinals game of the week for sure but moving along to the second game that i wanted to get into chargers versus dolphins chargers lose 21 to 29 the dolphins honestly the chargers kind of handed them the game uh they messed up on special teams a couple of times they got a punt blocked and then the Dolphins basically got it inside the 10 yard line and then they just punched it in I think two it through a pass on the play action pass and then on the next drive the Dolphins were about to kick a field goal because they couldn't like you know they didn't get a first down so they were going to kick a field goal but it was less than five yards it was like fourth and three I believe and then the Charger player jumps offside gives them a free five yards gets them a first down and then after that they score the They scored a touchdown, so just mistake after mistake after mistake from the Chargers. If you're a Charger fan, or you used to be a Charger fan like me, like myself, you know, you're more than used to this. Like, this is is a common occurrence. This happens all the time. Chargers just can't get out of their way. They just cause more problems to themselves than the other team causes to themselves, to them. It's just... uh, I know Charger fans are frustrated. I know Charger fans want that whole coaching stuff to be gone. It's just, yeah, uh, it just seems like every week the Chargers just find a new way to lose. And I mean, I I wanted to see this was a showcase for Herbert and Tua, but it turned out to be just a defensive show by the Dolphins. Uh, Justin Herbert was averaging over 300 yards um, throwing in the season. He was lighting up every defense that he played, and lo and behold, the uh, the, the Miami Dolphins defense held them to 187 yards. So they they locked them down pretty good. They they made them feel like a rookie. I think Keenan Allen after the game said to the media that yeah, the Chargers were pretty confused out there that they didn't know they didn't know what they were doing pretty much. And that's a bad look for the coaches, that's a bad look for offensive coordinator coach Lane. And I think uh Charger fans, I has, I still have a lot of Charger fans on my t- on my TL on Twitter and I could just I just know that Charger fans are are super done with that coaching stuff. They want that coaching staff fired. And as a neutral fan, like I just see the team playing week in and week out. And I could tell you that the Chargers need to Chargers need to move on from Coach Lynn, from their defensive coordinators, from their special teams coach. Uh, yeah, they need they need to clean house. They need to look somewhere else. But for the Dolphins, they should feel they should feel good about themselves. This offseason, they signed uh Byron Jones from the Cowboys. He was a free agent. They gave him a huge contract. At the time, he was the highest paid corner in the NFL. And they had Xavier Howard, who was, at the time, he was the highest paid cornerback. So they had number one and number two paid cornerbacks in the whole league. They put a lot of money into that defense. They signed a lot of players to the defensive side in the offseason. And now it shows, it's showing them. Brian Flores has is really, he has a good program going right there. The Dolphins are on the right track. Since they went to 2 they're 3-0. They have five wins in a row. They're one they're not even one game behind the the Bills. They're half a game out. The Bills have the bye week and the Dolphins play the Broncos next. So if the the Dolphins beat the Broncos this week, they tie the Bills for first place in the division. Who would have thought two years ago the Dolphins were down in the dirt? It looked like their future was super bleak. There was no hope for them. They they hired the right coach. They hire, you know, they they draft the right quarterback. They make key signings in free agency, and now look at them. It's, it's important to get the right coach. It's important to get the right quarterback. And then if you make some key signings in the offseason, you could turn a franchise around pretty quick. Like the main thing is a coach and a quarterback. Even if they hadn't signed a good defensive player or they had made that that many good moves in the offseason, just the fact that they had Flores and Tua would have been, like you could have seen it on the field, even if they weren't getting wins. But now since they have the whole package, they signed some good defensive players, they have a good defense. They have a solid quarterback and their coach looks like he's the real deal. They put they put the fast burners on this rebuild and now they look like a legit legit team. They can compete for the AFC East and they could definitely compete for a playoff spot. I think they're going to be here for a long time. I'm I'm happy to see that. Shout out to all the Dolphin fans, Dolphin fans that stayed through all these years. Um Tua and Brian Flores definitely have um this thing going the right way but the Dolphins have the Broncos the Jets and the Bengals so they should be favored against all three of them they should beat the Broncos they should be the they should beat the Jets and they should beat the Bengals the Bengals one's going to be fun it's going to be uh Tua versus Burrow the two quarter the two first quarterbacks drafted in this previous draft so the Dolphins could really stack up these wins they already have they're already on a five game win streak and if they beat these three teams eight game win streak going into the tougher part of their calendar at the end so the Dolphins have really positioned themselves to really make a playoff push in this last few weeks and they play the Bills on week 17 so the division might come down to that to that last week of the NFL Bills versus Dolphins week 17 I've been saying this since the last podcast I think it's going to come down to week 17 so circle that in your calendar if you haven't already week 17 Miami Dolphins versus Buffalo Bills that's going to be a great game and as far as the Chargers I mean, they need to fire their coaching staff. I keep I keep reading and I keep hearing that the Hispanos, the owner for the Chargers, loves Coach Lynn, and everybody says that he's a great person. And, I, I mean, I don't doubt that. I don't doubt that he's a great person. I don't doubt that he's a good human being. But being a good person, being a good human being, can only take you so far when you're the head coach of a football team. You got to be a good head coach. And it doesn't look like he's a good head coach. It doesn't look like his staff, the staff that he put around him, is good for the team, for that franchise. So I think they should move on. They should hire a different, different coach, different, different squad of coaches. And if it doesn't happen, I do kind of. I want to predict that the Chargers gonna to lose to the Jets. But I don't know if I'm gonna go there. It's, it is the Jets. The Jets are tanking so hard that they want to get you know that quarterback. They want to get the first overall pick in next year's draft. So the Jets might you know not put their best effort just to guarantee that. That they get that draft pick. But I could definitely see the Chargers losing to the Jets this next weekend. Just because the the players might be giving up on Coach Lynn. And that's like the number one step that needs to happen for like a Ch- Chargers just lose to a bad Jets team. And and history tells us that the Chargers, you know, they'll give somebody a win. Like it, I think it was two, three years ago. Maybe a little further out. The the Browns were on their way to have an 0-16 season too. And the Chargers... Somehow we' the only team that lost to the Browns that year and the Browns ended up as a 1 in 15 team. And sometimes history repeats itself and I could kind of see that. the Chargers do have a way better offense. they have way better roster, but for some reason they can't get it together. And if people talk, players talk in that locker room and if they're talking that you know what Coach Lynn is not the one that should be leading us. he should not be the head coach that's gonna take us to you know the promised land then they might just throw this game against the, as as bad as it sounds. And if they see that no change is happening, if they see that the that the owner is in love with that head coach and he's not going to get rid of him, losing to the Jets might just do it. If Coach Lynn survives the Chargers losing to the Jets, then I give up. I don't know what's gonna, what it's going to take for Coach Lynn to get fired, but Chargers do have the Jets next. In theory, that should be a win on their schedule. They should go to three and seven, I believe, and they should get some confidence. But who knows? Like I said, if the players have given up on Coach Lynn, that might be the best way to get rid of him. Losing to the Jets, just throwing it out there, it's a possibility. It might be, hap- it might happen. Um, but yeah, Chargers, Chargers lose to the Dolphins. Uh, they could have a bright future if they change their coaching staff. Herbert looks like the real deal, even though he struggled against the Dolphins. Stingy defense and the Dolphins look like they're playoff bound. Look like they could steal the AFC East from the Bills. They're on a five-game win streak. That defense is legit. Brian Flores, Tua, they definitely know what they're doing. They're gonna, they're gonna, you know, make a nice little push for the playoffs. But on to the next game: Seahawks versus Rams, twenty-three to sixteen. The Seahawks lose to the Rams. The Seahawks are kind of falling apart over here, um, Russ. Two weeks ago, he trademarked the the saying "Let Russ cook." Since then, he's zero two. He's had a lot of turnovers. The Seahawks went from number one in the NFC; they were going to get a bye going into the playoffs, and now they're third place in their division. I think they're the sixth seed in the <laughs> NFC. So it's been a rough or it's been a rough few weeks for the Seahawks. Um, you actually can't can't really put the blame on the defense. I know for the whole NFL season everyone's been talking about the Seahawks defense how they've been historically bad how they allow the most pass pass yards in like NFL history through the first 9 weeks of the NFL season it's been rough for them but they showed up they kind of showed up they only allowed the Rams to score 23 points they kept the game at a reachable distance for Russell Wilson and that offense they kept them in there they gave up 6 points in the second half they got some i believe they got some turnovers they held up their own um the Seahawks offense just couldn't get anything going. Russell Wilson had three turnovers. He had another game with multiple turnovers. He had two two interceptions and a fumble. Both interceptions were pretty ugly. Um the first one especially I did not understand what he was doing. He he stepped up into the pocket and it looked like he was gonna have a he was gonna run for the first down and he was gonna have a one on one with the defender. And sometimes Russell Wilson is able to in the open field um, you know make a move and get rid of the defender. And I thought that's what he was gonna do. But right as he was approaching the line of scrimmage, he sees the wide receiver on the left, on the left side of the end zone, and he tries to log it up to them. And that was a bad decision. It was an easy interception for the Rams defender, defender. And then the second interception, it was like a ten yard out route. Uh, kind of threw it, kind of threw it too late. Or the defender read him. The defender like was looking at Rose, saw that that he wanted to go there, cut off the receiver and picked him off. And then he low snap. Uh, that one's half on the center, half on Russell Wilson. It was a slow low snap. Russell Wilson wasn't able to corral it. He tried to he re- he tried to reach down to pick it up, and then he couldn't. And then he tried to dive on it. And he wasn't able to, and that was another turnover. So what I've learned is the Seattle Seahawks are a pretty good team when there's no turnovers, when the offense is firing on all cylinders. By no means they're, like, an amazing team. Even when that happens, they usually squeak out wins, but it's usually, like, enough to get Ws to get wins. But whenever the offense has a lot of turnovers, they have no chance. They have no chance to win, uh and it's kind of sad because it seems like they can never get a good defensive performance and a good offensive performance at the same time it seems like either russell wilson goes crazy and has a great game leads the offense to a lot of points but then the defense chokes and gives up more points to the other team or now for the first time the defense puts up a good good showing a decent showing uh, a showing that you could you know be proud of against the rams against a pretty good offense. They allowed 23 points, only six in the second half, and then the offense just couldn't get anything going. And I'm I'm hoping that the Seahawks are able to get a full game together where the defense plays good and the offense plays good because they're in the NFC and the NFC is very, very tough. And they like I said, they went from the first place in the NFC to the last to third place in their division, and now they're the sixth seed. They do play the Cardinals on Thursday night football, so they have a chance to go right back up to first place they did already the two teams are competing against in their division the rams and the cardinals took game 1 of their two games this season so as far as if arizona is able to beat the seattle seahawks again they'll take they'll be a game up on them plus another half because they they would have swept the series 2-0 for the year so it, this game is very crucial for seattle if they lose to arizona it's going to be real hard for them to win the division and then you know, it, it's really tough to go to get to the Super Bowl once you have to go on the road three times. So, Seattle, this is low-key a must-win must game. Like, you don't want to lose three in a row. And then, I think, I, f- I forgot who they play after, this, after the Cardinals, but you don't want to lose three games in a row. And then, you just keep doubting yourself once you get in these lose sh- losing streaks. So... um they need to they need to beat the Cardinals. The Cardinals are playing good football, but they also don't have the best defense. I think it's going to be exi- exciting game this Thursday night football game. It's going to be a great game. If you're not doing anything Thursday, watch this game, Seattle Seahawks versus the Cardinals. As far as the Rams, they showed a pretty pretty balanced attack. There was there's good running game. Um Goff did his thing. He he didn't look spectacular, but in my opinion Goff never really looked spectacular other than that Super Bowl year where McVay had everything firing and they look like a all-time great offense, but the the offense does enough. It's not it's not the Super Bowl offense of like three years ago, but it's a consistent offense that gets enough points to get the win. And the defense is it's good too. They have stars on that defense, and they showed up yesterday. Jalen Ramsey made his point for being the best cornerback in the NFL. He completely shut down Metcalf. He followed him almost all the game. Metcalf, I believe only had two catches for 26 yards after destroying the league <laughs> in all the other weeks that was all everyone was talking about Metcalf Metcalf even LeBron called him baby LeBron everybody was you know giving Metcalf his praises and for good measure he's had a great start of the season and he's really made that leap the second year but Jalen Jalen Ramsey showed out why he's the, showed the NFL why he's the highest paid cornerback in the league it was an impressive impressive a performance by Jalen Razzi. And very impressive win for the Rams. Uh, a lot of people were saying that the Rams hadn't beat anybody. That they had just beaten the NFC East, the Cowboys, the Washington Reds. I mean, the Washington football team, the Eagles, and the Giants. And then they beat the the Bears. So people were saying um, they haven't really beaten anybody. What Who have they really beaten? They, like, we don't know how good the Rams are. Well, now they beat the Seattle Seahawks, and they go to first. The first, they're tied for first in that division, so the Rams, the Rams are sneaking up on on people right now. I, honestly, I didn't think the Rams were going to be good this year, but Coach McVay, Coach McVay, is a good head coach, and he has the Rams back on track. It seems like, and it looks like they are going to make a playoff spot. So shout out to the Rams, shout out to all the Rams fans. Impressive, impressive win against the Seahawks this week, and you know, keep it going. We'll see, we'll see how they finish up. And, uh, the last football game that I wanted to talk about this, uh, for week 10 of the NFL season was Ravens versus Bears on Sunday night football. I mean, Ravens versus Patriots, my bad. Ravens versus Patriots on Sunday night football. Uh, the Patriots beat the Ravens 23 to 17. It was ugly, ugly weather in Foxborough. Uh, it was raining really hard, especially at the end. It was just a downpour. Um... What I learned from that game is that the Patriots won't give up. The Patriots are fighters. We've been knowing this. When they went to three and five, or when they went to two and five, you know, people were saying, like, you got to write them off. Like, there's no way they come back from this. But they beat the Jets. They beat the Ravens. Ravens are a good team. Jets aren't. But now they have two back to back wins. They're building a little momentum. And they're not done. They're four and five. They can still make a late push for the playoffs. We'll see. We'll see how that plays out. But Damian Harris—he he looks like he's a real deal. He has another game over 100 yards rushing. Uh, he runs super hard. Watching him against the Ravens defense, the Ravens defense is—they're tough. They're physical, and Damian Harris is just putting his head down, finishing runs, not going down easily, getting an extra one or two yards every single run. He looks—he looks good. He looks like he's going to be a great running back for them going forward um cam only only threw the ball 17 times i think that was a good good game plan by mcdaniels the weather did not really permit for a passing game so they played they grinded the game out they ran the ball a lot they let their defense you know do their thing <clears throat> and as far as the ravens i've always had my doubts around the talent that they've put around lamar jackson lamar jackson gets a lot of scrutiny because you know he's not the passer that you you would like him to be at this point in his career just yet he needs to, you know, develop more more of a throwing uh attack. Like you don't really think uh, Lamar Jackson is going to bring you back with his arm. It's one of the knocks against him. He's a great ru- he's a great running quarterback, but when it's time to bring a team back and you got to uh, you know, drive a team down the field with with your arm, Lamar Jackson's just not there at the end of the game when they were down 6 and they got the ball one last time. I didn't really think he was gonna be able to bring him back, just because not just so much because Lamar Jackson doesn't have the arm talent, or he's not there as a pocket quarterback yet. Just because he doesn't really have the weapons to do it. He has Andrews, a tight end. He's he's cool, but when you're trying to stretch the field, he has who he has Sneed, who's not really a number one. He has Hollywood Brown, who's he's fast, but he's not really like an amazing wide receiver. You just look down their depth chart at wide receiver. And he doesn't really have a go-to weapon. I think the Ravens, if they're serious about giving Lamar Jackson help, they should get a wide receiver. I would suggest Allen Robinson from the Bears. That The Bears should trade Allen Robinson, give him to the Ravens, give Lamar Jackson a little bit of help. But the Ravens kind of blew their chance. There were two games behind the Steelers going into this weekend, and the Steelers won again. And now the Ravens lose to the Patriots. They're three games behind the Steelers. And it just looks that they're not going to be able to catch them up. I think they should forget about catching up to the Steelers and just focus on getting a playoff spot. They're six and three. I believe there's like five or six teams that are six and three at the moment in the AFC. So it's going to be a tough finish for the Ravens. Uh, they look they look to be a lock for the playoffs for a long, long time. And now after losing to the Patriots and all these teams winning, it, that playoff, that five, six, and seventh playoff spot, that wild card spots in the AFC are going to be a battle. So. I just hope the Ra- I want to see the Ravens in the playoffs. I think they're one of the elite teams in the AFC. So I hope they do make the playoffs, but it's going to be it's going to be a tough finish. The AFC is pretty loaded this year. So hopefully the hopefully the Ravens are able to uh you know maintain their lead in the rest of the conference. The Patriots play the Texans, the Cardinals and the Chargers next. They should beat the Texans and they should beat the Chargers. The Cardinals are a tough game, so, but if they're able to Beat all the, three of those teams. They'll be seven and five. You know they'll be right there in the thick of things, thick of things, and they might be able to sneak in and get a playoff spot. And who knows? Don't count Belichick out. Don't count the Patriots out. You know it's a bad it's a bad thing to bet against the Patriots. They usually end up burning you. And the Ravens are six and three and they have the Titans and Steelers next. So hey, this, the Ravens better get it together because the Titans haven't looked that good, but they're six and three too. And the Steelers are undefeated, so if the Ravens slip up and they lose any of these games, they're gonna they're gonna fall down the rankings, and they might get in danger of missing the playoffs altogether. When going into the season, most people had the Ravens and the Chiefs as the number one and number two teams in the AFC. So it was a good Sunday night football game. It was a it was a hard nosed game. Like I said, the weather didn't really permit for a lot of passing game, but the Patriots grinded that game out and they're 4 and 5 now they keep their chances alive they're the only team other than all the 6 and 3 teams that has a chance to make the playoffs it's either you're a 6 and 3 team and you're fighting for a playoff spot or you're the Pages at 4 and 5 with a slim chance to to sneak in especially if they add another playoff spot if if games get canceled they might have a chance but we'll see uh, i am a big cam fan so i hope i hope he does good and i hope he you know he's able to uh, rejuvenate his career because I've always been a Cam Newton fan and he's he's not as quick as he used to be and maybe his arm talent is diminishing but he's still, he's still a fun guy to, to watch play so we'll see we'll see how the season plays out but Patriots Patriots upset the Ravens on Sunday Night Football it was a pretty good game and that concludes my uh, week 10 discussion for the NFL season <clears throat> let's quickly transition over to the NBA Like I said, today is November 16th, Monday, November 16th. Uh, Today, noon Eastern time, um, NBA teams were able to trade with each other. So, yeah, today NBA teams were able to trade with each other. Uh, There's two trades that have been done. The first one I want to talk about is the Lakers have traded Danny Green, their 2020 first round pick. For Dennis Schroeder, I I have read reports that says that OKC does not want to keep Danny Green. So there might be a third team involved to find a team for Danny Green. But as far as the Lakers go, Dennis Schroeder was my sixth man of the year last year. I thought he should have won sixth man of the year. So I have him rated pretty highly. Uh, He's a dynamic point guard. He's super, super quick. From his time in Atlanta, you could just tell he's a fast, fast point guard. He, He could. Move the ball up the court really, really fast. Last year, he shot forty-one percent in catch and shoot threes. So he's a good point guard. He's quick. He could he could shoot from the three. He's good from catch and shoot. He could play off ball. Like I know LeBron dominates the ball a lot, so he's he could definitely play off the ball. <coughs> and it looks like Rondo's gonna leave in free agency. I'm reading a lot of reports. It says that Rondo is looking to cash out. He played good last season, so I don't blame him for trying to get. Trying to get some uh, some more money, some more dough at the end of his career. But if that is the case, if he was to leave the Lakers, you know, shout out Rondo. He had a great season last year. He was one of the cogs for the Lakers getting, uh, getting that championship and having a great playoff run. So shout out to Rondo for, you know, his service. And I don't blame him for trying to get a little more money at the end of his career. But Dennis Schroeder, I think this is a great trade for the Lakers. Uh, he's he's young. He, I believe he's like 26 years old. He just had his best season in his NBA career. He, in my opinion, he should have won six men of the year. And if you're giving away Danny Green on a contract that's paying him, I believe, $60 million a year, and your first-round pick, which is a, r- a super late first-round pick, I believe the, the Lakers have the 28th overall pick. So if you're giving up the 29th overall pick and Danny Green for Dennis Shooter, that's a great deal in my opinion. Uh, I applaud Palinka for pulling that trade off, and then after that, the Lakers are rumored to be uh, interested in Wesley Matthews and Serge Sergej I think those are great signings. If the Lakers are able to pull all these moves off, I think uh, they will firmly position themselves as a candidate to repeat. They were already, I think Vegas already has them as a favorites. I agree with that. But if you add Wesley Matthews, he he can shoot the three 2 and he's a he's still a pretty good perimeter defender. And Serge Ibaka is just a great energy guy. He could play the five. He could play the four. He could sh- he. In the playoffs last year, he was shooting the three, rather good. So Serge Ibaka, Wesley Matthews, and trading for Dennis Schroeder. I think that's a great offseason for the Lakers. I think it it adds the the type of players that they need. They don't really have the assets to trade for like a big big star, but Shooter, Wesley Matthews, Serge Ibaka. Maybe a couple more players to fill out the roster that could shoot the three. I think that that would be great additions for the Lakers. It it would position. I think they all fit really good with LeBron and AD. Like Serge Ibaka could definitely play next to AD. Like he's able to at least space out the floor somewhat. He's not he's not like a like a black hole as a three point shooter. And Wesley Matthews, he's getting he's getting a little older. He did have that Achilles injuries I believe like three years ago but I think he's over it. He's still a quality player. That would be a good addition. And then you still have Caruso and it looks like they're going to they're going to be able to keep KCP. Solid rotations as the Lakers and you still have LeBron, you still have AD, two top 5 players, two all NBA players. So, you know, it's looking like it's a good it's a good offseason for the Lakers. I I like these moves. I don't I don't really find a fault in them. There was other rumors that they were trying to move Kuzma and somebody else for um for the Spurs players, uh what's his name? Oh, I forgot his name. But they were trying to trade for uh they're trying to move Kuzma to another team and uh now as of like 30 minutes ago from when I started recording this, uh Kuzma just deactivated his Twitter. So I don't know what that means. I don't know if, if he's going somewhere. DeMar DeRozan, that's that's the player that that the Lakers were rumored to be getting. I don't know about that one. He, he has a pretty he has one year left on his big contract so I don't know how the numbers will work out and he can't shoot the three he's a mid-range shooter so I'm just scared that he's gonna clog up the paint for AD and you know LeBron's three-point shot has gotten better over the years but it's still not like super consistent there's there's he could go on stretches where he gets cold from three-point line and then there there has been scenarios where teams just back off him and clog the paint and they just dare him to shoot the three. So my, my my, worry, the worst case scenario is we trade some of our shooters, some of our defenders to get DeRozan. And then LeBron has a cold streak from three. And then AD could get streaky from three too. And then now you just have a bunch of players that aren't really that good from the three-point line. And DeRozan won't even attempt three-point shots. I think he shot one three-pointer every two games last year. So... I mean, he is a good player. Don't get me wrong. DeRozan's still a quality player. He, he could maybe make an all-star, but he—he's—I don't—I don't like the fit with the Lakers. So I much rather they get Dennis Shooter. I think that was a more sounder, safe that fits the team better. So if they do pull off this trade, I think they're holding off the trade till Wednesday because um, they're trying to find another team. And then on Wednesday, the NBA draft is happening. So what might happen is the Lakers just talk to OKC, and then OKC tells them. Who they want to draft. And the Lakers end up drafting that player. And then they finish the trade after the draft. So that's that's how it looks like it's going to play out. As far as OKC. Um, they just keep piling, piling picks. I think they have 17 picks from here on to 20 27. <sighs> nah, they have a good GM. He's probably the best in the business. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what they do with those picks. It looks like pretty soon they're going to have to package... Some of those picks for a player because 17 picks in six years and a roster size of, I believe, like 15. You're not going to be able to draft. You're not going to be able to keep all those picks and draft every single player because there's just not enough space in, in their team. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to see how the how OKC goes about to using these picks, how they package them to get some players. But they really position themselves to, you know, make a big trade or two in the future. I can see them packaging like three or four first-round picks and just going after somebody, like pretty good. So we have to see and wait and see what they do in the next couple of years. But they're definitely positioning themselves to be a contender maybe five, six years from now after they tr- make some moves. But OKC can't can't fault them. They got a good year out of Dennis Shooter, good year or two, and now they're flipping him and good trade for the Lakers too. <clears throat> but the big news. The big news in NBA right now is the Nets. The Nets are acquiring or trying to acquire James Harden. It just came out before this recording that James Harden has told the Rockets that he wants to get traded. And the only team he wants to get traded is the uh, the Nets. He wants to go to the Brooklyn Nets. That's crazy news. That would form a huge, not a big three, a huge three of Kyrie, KD, and James Harden. That would be crazy. As far as talent, that would be the best trio in the league. That should put them as the favorites, in my opinion, to win the East, to win the NBA championship. The Bill O'Brien trophy. Three top elite players. Three, you could put Kyrie as a top five point guard. James Harden is the best shooting guard. And KD, him and LeBron are the two best players in the NBA. So if they do pull off that trade, uh, the only thing that... that the only thing you can question is if they're going to be able to gel. As far as talent, they have more talent than any team in the NBA. Three top elite players. But who's going to sacrifice? Who's going to give up some touches? Harden is, I, I, I say it's Harden because he's averaging over 30 points the last few seasons, 35 points. So he's going to have to sacrifice. Kyrie's a super dominant ball handler, ball handler too. James Harden has like the highest usage rate in the NBA and KD loves to have the ball in his hands too. So it's just, and a rookie head coach and Steve Nash, those are the questions that need to be asked. Like, are they going to be able to gel? Who's going to sacrifice? Who's going to give up the ball? Who's going to be content with standing on the side, watching the other players play. And, and the other thing is if they trade for Harden, how's their bench going to look? They're going to have three elite players that could score that could go for fifty. All of them could go for fifty any given night. But as far as their bench, how is that going to play out in the playoffs? If one of them gets hurt, does that tear their whole team for the season? But no matter what happens, if they do pull this trade off for James Harden, they'll be the easily the favorites in the East. They should make it's finals or bust. It's championship or bust. If they get uh, James Harden, they should already be like one or two. The, one or the first or second favorite in the East, but if they get if they get Harden, it's championship or bust. And the thing the the thing I question is: Do they have enough assets to get him? Dinwiddie, Lavert, Prince, Jared Allen. Is that enough? Is that enough? Like, are, if you're the Rockets and you get Dinwiddie, you get Lavert, you get Tajon Prince, and you get Jared Allen, are you content? Are you happy with with what you got for Harden? I I don't think so. In my opinion, if if I'm the Rockets GM. Uh, that's not enough. That's not enough to get Harden. Dinwiddie's a nice player. Levert is a good player. Prince has potential. Jared Allen has potential too, but I need more. So they might have to get a third team. But like I said, James Harden has said that he wants to go to the Nets. So that puts pressure on the Rockets because they can't really trade him to anybody else. If he goes to anywhere else, he could just tell them that he's not going to resign with them, that they're getting him on a rental or whatever, but it does look like he's trying to force the Rockets' hand. Uh, it just also came out that they offered him a two-year, $100 million extension, and he denied it. It would have been the the highest contract per year in NBA history, $50 million per year, and he said no to that. So, honestly, it's starting to look like it's inevitable, like it's going to happen, like hard into the nets. is going to happen. Like I said, th- I'm recording this as of Monday night, November 16th and free agency the draft is on wednesday free agency starts on friday you can sign players on sunday so how long is it going to take like drop your comments down below how long how long do you think it's going to take for Harden to become a Nets? today is monday like tuesday wednesday how long like free agency starts the draft starts i say by the draft if this is going to happen it's going to happen by by wednesday by wednesday this they should have this materialized, and it's crazy. Harden and KD reunited after you know so many, so many years that they played together in OKC with Kyrie now as a running mate instead of Westbrook. And we'll see if they're able to do it. We'll see if they're able to get a championship. Like I'm saying, every report seems to is swaying me to believe that this is gonna happen. The NBA offseason is crazy. It's all jam packed in one week this this year, and then. We're super close to the start of the NBA season again. So it's just crazy, crazy moves. Like, I'm still wrapping my head around this. The Like, who, like, it's just crazy. Like, two years ago, if I would have told you, KD's going to leave the Warriors, Kyrie's going to leave the Celtics, and Harden's going to leave uh, the Rockets, and they're all going to be with the Nets after the Nets had been what the Nets had been for a while. It's just crazy. And... I mean, it's fun. I I love seeing player movement. I love seeing fresh new teams. And it's going to be a challenge as a Laker fan. I know it's going to be a challenge for the Lakers to just make it out of their West. And then if they have this team waiting for them in the East, the path to a repeat just gets so much harder. But I'm excited for this 2020-2021 season. I think it's going to be a great, great season. But the last trade that I wanted to talk about, the last trade that happened or trade rumor, um, this one is confirmed. Chris Paul is going to the Suns. Chris Paul, uh, there is other players that are involved in the trade, but basically Chris Paul for Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio and a 2022nd first round pick. The Suns get an older Chris Paul, but he's still a really good player. Last year, he showed that he still has a lot to offer to a franchise. He still got some thread on those tires. He led the OKC to the playoffs after everybody had them missing in the preseason rankings. No one had the OKC making the playoffs. Chris Pop put that team on his back. He led them to the playoffs, had a competitive series against the Rockets. And now he gets to go to the Suns and mentor uh, Devin Booker. And I think it's going to be good for the Suns. The Suns did go 7-0 and in the bubble. Everyone's expecting them to make that jump. It would if they hadn't made no move, it was going to be hard just because the West is super stacked. But now, if you're able to feel the team with the backcourt of Devin Booker and Chris Ball and you have DeAndre Ayton as your center, that's you got a little squad. You got a little squad. You have a chance in the in the Western in the Western uh, Conference. I think now they're in contention to make the playoffs. They could definitely, you know, I, I see them capping out at, like, the fifth seed, fifth to eighth seed, and best-case scenario, they win a first round series, they upset somebody and then they go out in the second round. And I have their ceiling as a second round finish. Worst case scenario, they miss out in the playoffs, but they're competitive and they're either the ninth or tenth seed. But they all their games are meaningful. And you know, even like the what how many games they're playing this year? 72. Even like the 66 to 72, 72nd game of the season is still is still important. And they're still right there in the playoff contention and they have a rather good season. That's the worst case scenario. Best case scenario, they get the fourth or fifth seed and they make it to the second round of the playoffs. But other than that, it's a good it's a good trade for the Suns. Uh, Chris Paul is going to be able to you know teach them how to win, how to be a professional. Devin Booker, I think it's it really it's really going to unleash Devin Booker and mostly uh, DeAndre Ayton. I think Chris Paul makes centers. Chris Paul gets centers paid. He got. Uh, Tyson Chandler paid he got DeAndre Jordan paid Uh, he's gotten so many players paid just because he's a great point guard that's always looking to pass and he'll he'll get those center stats up so DeAndre Ayton just made some money by Chris Paul signing there he's gonna have a way better season next year than this year Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing his development he was the first overall pick a couple years ago so we're gonna see how he progresses hopefully he's able to fulfill all his all his potential and as far as Devin Booker is is gonna you know he's gonna take the ball off his hands but I think that might be a good thing they could use him how the Warriors use, use Curry and they make him run all over the court and they set screens off the ball and he's able to just catch and shoot I think they, they do that with Devin Booker it, it's gonna be great for him like he's not gonna have to have the responsibility of bringing the ball up the court every single time he, he's gonna be able to you know break free away from the offense, let the offense run itself, and then just try to find a space to shoot an open three. And then if if uh, Chris Paul goes to the bench, then you can give the ball to Devin Booker, and he's able to do his own thing and and be the main ball handler. But it's a good signing for the Suns. It shows that they're committed to winning. It shows that they don't want to be a team that misses the playoffs anymore. And the West, the West keeps getting tougher. The West keeps getting more competitive. And like I said with the previous trade, with the Dennis Schroeder trade, OKC just keeps just keeps piling draft picks, keeps piling assets. I'm very excited to see what they do with those draft picks, what they do going forward. 17 first-round picks from here to 2027 draft. What are they going to do? Who are they going to get? In the next couple of years, they're definitely going to make a big splash. It's, it's, it's going to be a highlight. I, I could already see it's going to be a highlight in one of these next offseason's OKC trades five first-round picks for somebody. Book it. It's going to happen. They have so many draft picks. They can't keep all of them. So, yeah, I think it's a good trade for both teams. Chris Paul did his thing in OKC one year there. He did his thing, took him to the playoffs, helped uh, Shias Alexander. He probably taught him a lot, got that team back to the playoffs. They get more draft picks. They get some quality players back for him. And the Suns, they get another great player for their roster they can build on that bubble experience they can build on that 7-0 bubble record and hopefully they're able to make the playoffs and we're able to see Devin Booker in the playoffs because I think he would be amazing in the playoffs he, he seems like he's a, a player that that will shine in the playoffs with the bright lights so it's the first day basically of NBA trades Monday November 16th I'm excited to see how this plays out I'm excited for the draft on Wednesday. Is there gonna be more crazy trades? Are people gonna trade into the first three picks? Are they gonna trade out? It's gonna be a crazy offseason. Free agency starts on Friday. You can sign players on Sunday. It's gonna be a crazy offseason. I'm gonna be here bringing all the information to you guys. I'm gonna make a further down this week. I'm gonna make a predictions for week 11 of the NFL season. I'm also gonna make a prediction for match day nine of the Premier League, and then I'm gonna recap whatever has happened between now and then for the NBA offseason. But my name is Ismael San Juan, and this has been Hard to Handle Sports Podcast number 16. Thank you so much for listening to me. Subscribe to me. Subscribe to the podcast. Keep on listening. And you guys have a great day or night or whatever time you're listening to this. Just have a great time. Thank you so much for listening to me. Have a good one.